On this episode of The Playbook, I have Scott Coker, president of Bellator MMA, and he's going to teach us how to think like a fighter, but being kind and respectful. Join me for all of this and more on The Playbook. This is The Playbook, where I give you access each week to the world's greatest athletes and executives about their personal and professional playbook and what has made them champions on and off the field. This is The Playbook. I have Scott Coker. He's the president of Bellator and an incredible entrepreneur. I love sports entrepreneurs, obviously. Scott, welcome to the playbook here with Entrepreneur Magazine. How are you? Doing great. Thank you for having me. Oh, great. Well, you know, I love these newer sports that are just now doing well. I was looking at, you know, when you sold Strikeforce for $40 million, I, I remember the deal when I was with Lee Steinberg at the time uh, running that sports agency. And at that time, I'm like, what the heck are they thinking? And now I wish uh, I would have bought it for $40 million. Um, You know, it, it's absolutely the way these limited commodities work. Um, building a business, though, uh, from the ground up, really, in a traditional sport is one thing. But doing it in a newer sport uh, is another. What are some of the challenges, number one, that you faced growing the business? And then how did that experience help you with, obviously, <laughs> this compressed uncertainty we're in as you're launching in a couple weeks uh, to have live events again. You know, I'd say this has been an interesting time and we've done so many great things socially and digitally to connect and reconnect with our audience. And there's still a big appetite for product and content out there. And what we did was we, you know, let's say we took back and we, 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 call, we call it recharged and we redid a, a series of old fights that we've done for the last five years. But we had it, uh, we had Big John do a new intro, a new opening, a, a new, uh, you know, uh, let's say the middle of the show segues, and basically take his opinion on it and basically create some fresh content. And then uh, also on digital, we, uh, we created a whole new show where the fight already happened, but this time uh, on the sidebar, we have a new commentator named Robin Black, and we have the fighter that actually fought in the show. And they're commentating on the show as you're watching it, you know, for the second or third time, but you're hearing the fighter's perspective of the, uh, of the show, of the fight as it happened. And that's something I love because, you know, to me, it's not just, you know, watching these fights. For me, studying martial arts and being martial arts my whole life, I, I want to know what the fighter was thinking before this happened or that happened or how did he set it up? Because in MMA, it's really about the setup. And, you know, sometimes you get lucky or you get the big shot. But, you know, usually when it goes to the ground, those jujitsu guys, man, they are four or five steps ahead of you. And, and I love that. So, you know, we've been creating a lot of new content and, you know, getting back, you know, getting ready to get back to starting to do some live fights. But, uh, you know, we still connect with our audience through social and digital. And, you know, that's something that if you think about, you know, 10 years ago or 20 years ago would not even be a possibility. Yeah, that, there's that emotional attachment. You know, Mike Chandler is a good friend of mine and a huge fan of his because of his heart, right? You're, you're a guy that's a, grit, a gritty uh, athlete himself. And I, I love how they explain how they're feeling as well beyond the setup. Because, you know, a lot of people that watch, they, they want to know, you know, what, what were you feeling there? Were you thinking that you were going to lose? Were you disappointed? Were you excited? Were you mad? You know, and I really love that insight as I'm watching it. The other side, you know, being a marketing guy is there's a whole new realm of real estate. And I know, you know, like CBDMD, uh, the first public CBD company is your partner and you're utilizing them in a variety of different ways. I don't even think they imagined when they created the partnership, which will carry on past post vaccine even. 
I think we found a whole new revenue uh, opportunities that will complement or supplement the traditional, you know, ring stuff that we do and the, the normal uh, sponsorships that are available. What are some of the best lessons that you have learned of beyond the content side on the sponsorship side of new revenue opportunities? Well, I'll tell you, CBDMD is the first CBD company that was greenlit by Biocom, a public company, to subscribe on their platform. And what that mean, meaning Bellator, because Viacom owns Bellator. Uh, but also, it all started with kind of an organic process of getting to us through the fighters. You know, I kept hearing, hey, this fighter has a CBDMD deal, this fighter has a CBDMD deal. I started researching it, and I said, wow, this is a, a pretty amazing company. And we finally connected after about a year of them sponsoring our fighters. And we said, you know, you guys should get involved in the brand. It was a, a gentleman, uh, you know, by the name of Hans Mollenkamp that put us together with uh, CBDMD and, and when, when we connected, there's so many synergies that they, what they were trying to do and really rose into a, you know, a, a national product. And we had a great vehicle. We had TV exposure, we had great digital numbers, we have international footprint. Uh, we do fights all over the world. We have TV deals all over the world. Um, so we started connecting and, you know, this is something that I, I personally believe in. You know, if you go to my house and you look at my medicine cabinet, you know, being, you know, over 50 years old, <laughs> closer to 60 than 50, by the way, you'll see a lot of CBD MD product on my shelf. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's something that really helps and, and uh, has been really great for our athletes and great for the company. And, and uh, I, I have no, I have no problem reaching out to guys and saying, Hey, can you send me over some of this or some of this? Yeah. It's, it's great about that. But, you know, talk about uh, a complete new, like you said, a new product coming to the marketplace. And I think it's just going to grow and grow and grow. And we finally got them greenlit to where uh, you'll see CBDMD now on Viacom's platforms, uh, doing 30 second spots, doing 15 second spots, integrating them more into our show, integrating them more into uh, other shows on other networks because, you know, it is, uh, it is approved now by Viacom. And I think with Bellator, one of the things I've noticed as well is your relationships, not only to those partners and sponsors, but your relationships with your fighters and athletes. Uh, it's heads and above any of your competitors. It's something that in the industry, we all talk about how they're treated. And what are some of the values or strategies that you use? Because you're definitely treating people, as I would say, you're being kind to your future self. Let's just say that, that way, that people say really nice things about the way they feel while they're fighting with you and for you and the sponsors, the way they're treated as well. You know, I really believe that at the end of the day, listen, it's a business, but this is a people business. You're in the business and this person sitting across from you is one of, let's say, one of your biggest fighters or one of uh, up and coming guys or girls. And, but it's a people business. And I think that early on I learned when I was uh, promoting for um, K1, I had a gig with Japan uh, named a company called K1. And I went over there for back and forth for 10 years, helped them promote fights in Vegas. But it was part of my, you know, my promotional journey, let's say, growing up. And the one thing I learned from Kazuyoshi Ishii, who also is a martial artist himself, very, very, you know, uh, superior martial arts uh, pedigree, comes from, there's a very famous Japanese karate master named Masayama, and he was a student of his. So the lineage is, you know, hundreds of years. And, and he said to me one time, because he had all the best fighters in the world at that time, and MMA was not really around it's just a little bit he said to me he said scott as you grow as a promoter you have to promise me you'll 
take care of your fighters because without your fighters, you have nothing. This is your talent. These are people that fight for you. They pour their heart, their soul, their martial arts spirit, and they're putting their life on the line every time. You have to treat them with respect and you have to be nice and courteous. And of course, there's a business component. You want to be fair. And, but at the end of the day, these are people that compete for you, that risk their lives for you. And it's the, like the, you know, it's the Bushido, it's the Budo way for you to take care of them. And that's, that's really what he was about. I love that. My, my nickname is the Ferocious Buddha. So okay. Ferocious about getting out of my own way and Buddhist about getting to center. Um, but we both have Eastern influence in our lives. You being well-trained in the martial arts as well. Can you share with us one of the lessons that you've learned from martial arts that you apply to business? Mm. You know, it's amazing. I really haven't talked about this much, but how, I mean, I, I grew up in a uh, martial arts household, let's say, and and, and, I grew, and I went to uh, the martial arts school when I was 10 years old. And I really haven't left. I'm still there today, so to speak, right? But uh, I, I wrote a mission statement when I was 16. And I said, in my life, I'm going to continue to teach the ways of martial arts, and I'm going to compete. I'm gonna do, I had all the stuff that I was going to do. Never being a fight promoter, but it was always like, I want to own a school. I'm going to go compete in the Olympics. I'm going to go, you know, I had all these goals at the time. But... Um, you know, when you talk about the life skills that martial arts teaches you, right? Uh, it is the same with business because you have to have perseverance. You have to have indomitable spirit. You better have character. Otherwise, it'll be a short-lived business, right? And you better have, uh, you know, basically the ability to, you know, grow as a person and grow as a business, right? So to me, all, everything I learned in martial arts directly applied to being in business. And, you know, we would, uh, and now I own some martial arts schools for a while. So I'm, it taught me the business side of being in a martial arts business. And I applied that straight to my fight company. Uh, and then, you know, so it was really, it was really just like, you know, martial arts, business, and, and how you conduct yourself, you know, how you grow it. It was, to me, it was exactly the same. And so to me, I had personal goals. I had business goals. Uh, but this, you know, for me, it's been a 35-year, let's say, martial arts fight promotion journey and martial arts journey. And uh, to me, there's no difference between, let's say, myself as a, like a martial arts teacher or martial arts, you know, uh, school owner or a martial arts practitioner and business because they, they are directly in sync with each other. So that, that's, my, that's, my, that's my feeling. That's awesome. The, uh, perseverance is a huge thing, but along with it that I've learned as well from my time in Korea and Asia working was I love the consistency. And, you know, one of the things that is truly a component of success is someone that, you know, through the ups and downs, through the lessons that they learned, what I call the mental, physical, spiritual, emotional, financial pain that is involved with being an entrepreneur of any kind, uh, it's the ones who are just consistent and they allow things to happen and eventually, you know, usually at the right way at the perfect time, always later than we had thought it would happen, uh, our coincidences start coming and people think we're lucky. How important do you feel consistency is? Well, you know, when I sold Strikeforce, right, I remember saying, oh, he got so lucky and he, you know, he didn't. And I said, you know, it only, it only took 25 years to become an overnight success. <laughs> I love, right? Dude, tell everybody one more time. That's yeah, the it only took 25 years to become an overnight success. <laughs> really, that's really what it is. I mean, very few people in this life, I think, haven't had that long 
just the grind and just the, you know, that just like perseverance and you've got to pound it out and every day is a grind. And then, you know, and then you get lucky some days and then, you know, and then, you know, business happens. But, you know, people were telling me, hey, you got so lucky. And I'm like, lucky? This is, this has been a lifelong journey. This is not something that just happened overnight. And I think people, they, they feel like, oh, because they just heard about it and then bang, it's gone, you know. Yeah. Uh, I'd say who, who did really well was my partner, only for a year and a half, was the Silicon Valley Sports and Entertainment Group. And they owned the San Jose Sharks and the building here. And we wanted to buy a company called Pro Elite at the time, which had all these great fight contracts. And so we bought them. Uh, and then we, they injected a bunch of money. 18 months later, they cashed out and they were on their way, you know. <laughs> but it was, it was the 25 years before that that made that possible. Right. And listen, it's, you know, it's, we, we all took a risk and, and it is what it is. But, um, you know, I feel like for them, it was like, hey, this is a great business. What an easy way, you know, we should do this again, you know? Right. <laughs> like, no, no, no. It doesn't work like that. That's 25 years of hard work that got to this point so you could have your exit strategy. But listen, it's, uh, you know, it's a big boy business and I, I still love Strikeforce. And when I think about all the great things that we did in that company, and it, it was really, it was really, it's a historical company. And I think that's why people still talk about it today. Yeah, no, you have created a legacy. I always say when people call us legends and legacy, you're like, wait, that means I'm old, right? <laughs> when did that happen? Uh, anyway, what an incredible journey, incredible lessons. I appreciate you so much, Scott, coming on The Playbook.